Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Well, hello, hello, hello out there, my listening audience. It's your girl, Barbara McGee, and I'm live in the penthouse, and it's Straight Talk from the Hired Rush. And this evening in the penthouse, we are missing my co-host, my dear, the wonderful, the phenomenal, Mr. Rodney Best, our wealth expert. He's not with us tonight, but we wish him the best. We know he did it up big time for the Oakland Raiders this past weekend, so he's probably still recovering. That's what I'd like to think. But anyway, shout out to you. And also, uh, Pastor Bob. You know, we love Pastor Bob and giving us all the information he does as he comes live in Oakland, California. But uh, he may not be with us. He's been a little bit under the weather. So everybody keep him in your prayers. Now, tonight in the penthouse, uh, we have got an illustrious uh, panel for you. And we're going to talk a little bit about film. We all enjoy a good film. And we all enjoy a good film festival. And as we spoke about it last week, uh, we had Patience with Sally. And she's here with us tonight. Go ahead and say hello to our listening audience, Patience. Hi, everyone. This is Patience. (laughs) Yes. Patience Awazi. Absolutely. And we also have the wonderful, the illustrious, the songstress, our friend and your friend as well, uh, Roslyn uh, Jordan Mills. And, you know, she's from Roslyn's Corner on Wednesday nights at 730. Roslyn, why don't you give a shout out? Hello. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here on Barbara's show. Oh, how nice, how nice. Well, it's great to have both of you ladies on the show. And tonight uh, we might also get a surprise guest because I know we have uh, um, here at T25CL.com, we have our own premiere coming up with United We Stand, which was a film that was done about a year ago. And uh, Rosalind can give us a little more breakdown, a little bit about that show, and when you can catch it in your neck of the woods. So, Patience, I want to just go back and talk a little bit about the organization that you work with and what exactly you guys set up for this past weekend. Go ahead. The Los Angeles Nollywood Film Association was founded by King Bassey, uh, 19, no, 2010, I'm going way back, 2010, and that gave birth to Lanfa, the Los Angeles Nollywood Film Awards. The Los Angeles Nollywood Film Awards is an annual award to recognize those who are contributing to the industry, especially from the African community, but we also recognize those in America who are making an effort to make sure that 
we tell our stories from our own lenses. And also, we want to be able to create the culture in such a way that people can understand what we have been through or what we are going through when we come to America. So we try to create these themes through our own filmmakers, and they create the situation in which our own artists will participate and bring the stories from abroad and here in America. And when these stories are being told and played out, it is not secondary. Somebody else is not telling the story. We are telling the story. We are acting the stories. And so the Los Angeles Nollywood Film Awards is here to make sure that we have a studio whereby the people who are in Africa who don't have the opportunity to come to America or to Europe can come here eventually and get training workshops and be able to produce their own films. So it is a big, big uh, project that the Los Angeles Nollywood is involved in. And so this past weekend, it was just one of our events, which is the annual event of the LANFA. It's called LANFA. And so I was so involved with making sure our guests are being taken care of, but Roslyn can give you guys a better in-depth information as to what was going on in the, in the, in the event hall. Wow, that is so, so necessary. You know, before we go to Roslyn, I just really appreciate what you said about how we need to tell our own stories. And let me just uh, preface that by saying, you know, if we do not, tell our stories. The stories will be told, but it will be just like the movie Rosalind. Did you see the recent movie where they did um, um, the story of Cleopatra and the Roman Empire, and everybody was white? They made an effort to make the whole thing um, Caucasian. Did you see that? You know what? I heard the the, uh, backlash about that. I haven't yes. seen it yet, but I have heard the backlash. Yes. Yes. And, and we kind of up and on. Mm-hmm. Right. We we kind of omitted seeing it because it was kind of almost, I hate to ever say that we want to blackball something, but we just, I mean, why not make it accurate? So this is why it's important what she's saying, patience and the lancer, is to empower those who are telling their own stories. Now, Rosalind, what did you think? Oh, my goodness, you were right there, red carpet and all, tell us. Oh, my goodness. Okay, where do I start? Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, first of all, when I got there, well, let me, let me, let me back up first. It was a really a great pleasure to spend some time with my friend Patience, finally meeting face-to-face. That was really, really awesome, you know. Um, but um, to be invited to such an awesome gala, um, we went there Friday, right, for the um, uh, the screening. screening. Yes, mm-hmm. for the screening. Um, we were able to meet some people, you know, but we were just, I think we're more preparing for the following day. So when Saturday came, I was really excited for this uh, event. So when I got there, uh, oh, fortunately I got lost. <laughs> I did it because it was away from UCLA. You know, UCLA is a city within a city within itself. But when I got there, it was really in full force and effect, okay? It was a 
so many beautiful people around. And, of course, you know, um, uh, you got to make it round. So I just kind of put my stuff down. I was able to eat a little bit, but after that, you know, it was on. Um, I was able to be on the red carpet, take some pictures, and actually get interviewed, okay, by a gentleman who was interviewing everyone, all the guests, all the writers, actors who are coming in, uh, and he did an interview on all of them. So hopefully we'll have that pretty soon so we can put it up on the website for everyone to see. But oh, that is really exciting. Oh, that is really and – and you're talking about uh, www.t25cl website where they can look and see all the exciting uh, public uh, uh, interviews that you did none of, uh, to none mark of the occasion. Yes, go ahead. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So, you know, in um, you know, with T25CL, that is our endeavor to meet so many – to meet new filmmakers, independent filmmakers – Key independent filmmakers who um, have their films out there, even authors. I was I was able to meet an author, and she was all the way from Baltimore. Oh, I don't know what that noise is. Oh, we've got a little noise factor. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, but anyway, her name was uh, oh my goodness, Adil Kadu. But I know she was from uh, uh, from Baltimore. She had a book. Her book was called The Blessing Legacy, in which she received an award from. And, of course, I bought the book right, right then and there. And she said, you know, you're not going to be able to put it down. And so far, I have not been able to. I, mean, I read some of it, but I'm still continuing to read it. And then also I was able to meet a young man who was, his name was Romaine Simon from Lucky Strike Film. Now, he was he was excited. Exciting. He was, um, I mean, he was just, just, he was bubbling. He was bubbling. He, you know, filmmaker was oozing from him. Producer was oozing from him. And I was able to sit down and get an interview with him myself, okay? And, you know, he is the founder, the producer, and he's director of Lucky Strikes Films. And he's, author, he's also an author of Red to Black, The Power of Love. So he is um, uh, interested in, I'm going to be making the connections with him regarding distribution with T25CL, okay? So he was able to meet so many, many great people and, of course, spending time with my friend uh, Patience and King Bossy, okay? Oh, he was so busy, but he is such a great gentleman. He has such a great vision, and we look for him to continue to work with T25CL, with us as a family, coming together, bringing these independent films to T25CL. Wow, that is just amazing. Well, you know, inquiring minds want to know, what did you wear and did you walk down the red carpet? (laughs) I was on the red carpet, yes, Miss Barbara, I was. (laughs) <laughs> you know, Patience, you know, us girls, that's what we want to know, girl, what you I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and once you got there, say, you got to go there. You got to go right away. <laughs> so yes, 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 yes. It was go, fabulous, go, 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 go. wasn't it? Because you know what I love? I love when you actually are dealing with so many different uh, countries and the continent of Africa to see them all represented with a different tooling and the different way they wear their outfits and the colors and 
I mean, it can be fanfare. Was it fanfare? <laughs> yeah. Yep. And oh, we had Chinese. We had people from all over, actually. Yes, and then all over the world. Beautiful uh, outfits. I mean, it was it was um, it was a, a great gala. I mean, people just came I, out with their best. I love it. All right. Well, so everybody, it was at UCLA, so that was a, a wonderful location uh, to have a red carpet event and a film festival. So I just want to say a little bit about <clears throat> film festivals. You know what? They, what do they do? Well. Bottom line is they get your film out there. They make you able uh, to get an audience for your film, and even you can go so far as to get an investor. A lot of people like to present shorts. That's a 20-minute, 8 to 20-minute version of the concept. And some people like to go with the full feature. And uh, either one uh, can be shown at the appropriate film festival. Now, there are many film festivals. I mean, they have film festivals all the way from Sundance down to um, the the Hoboken Film Festival that one of the films I worked in was held, and that was right outside of Manhattan. Uh, Distributors, uh, who goes to film festivals? Well, you have directors, you have actors, you have the people that work with you on your project, you have investors, you have uh, people who love film. So... um, Back to you, Patience. When we talk about films, um, did you happen to see any films? And tell us a little bit in general about the stories that they are about. I mean, are they suspense? Are they romance? Are they documentary? Uh, give us a little idea of what kind of films were at the film festival. Usually, uh, we've had several films. I'm not talking only of this. We've had human trafficking. We've had uh, religious films, you know, Christian films. We've had some cultural films. Take, for example, the human trafficking one, which was really significant because sometimes uh, people leave their homeland and come to another place for a better life, thinking they're coming for a better life, and when they get here, it's a different story. So the human trafficking one was about uh, this young girls who leave Africa and some mistress brings them over here to come promising them that they're going to give them jobs. And when they get here, it's a whole different ballgame. They are put into prostitution and violence and all kinds of crazy stuff. And it takes a little while for them to be able to get out of that situation. And just like any other struggles that we've had, leaving Africa to come here, it's played out through our culture, we try to showcase our culture. It's not acceptable. It takes time for people to understand what we're saying or what we're trying to do. So it's been a struggle. And these are the themes that we want to put out there. So maybe when people see the way we are speaking from our hearts and showing them that we don't mean any harm, this, we're coming when we smiled, I remember when I came here the first time I went on the job and somebody's speaking and I'm smiling and I didn't know that. They're asking, why are you smiling? And we thought it was just um, being polite. Meanwhile, the American sees it differently. So uh, 
those are the different things we want people to see our struggles. The one, we want them to see the culture, how we respect our elders. We want them to see the, the clothing. We want them to see how we eat. There's just so many areas that we are showcasing. Uh, even the Christianity, you know, religion, we want them to know that. When we come here, we come from uh, a place where we respect Christ or whoever. Uh, some are Muslim, so I can only talk about Christianity. But we come from that tradition and culture, and we want to showcase it, and that our lives are meaningful. Our lives have some significance. So I don't want to pinpoint to one particular thing, but I want to just talk about, I'm talking about the broad spectrum of what we bring to the American public. And we're hoping that at the end of the day, they will accept these themes and learn something from it as we are learning something from the themes, the mainstream themes here in America. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Hey, everybody, you're listening to Teachers by CL. And um, this is Galaxy Talk Radio. I'm your girl and host of Straight Talk. We're sitting here with in the penthouse with Patience Zali and also Rosalind Jordan-Mills. And these ladies had the opportunity to experience the uh, Landis Film Festival that was this weekend at UCLA, showcasing African um, uh, film and uh, short, full-length features. We want to talk a little bit about film festivals. Well, we know that there are many of them. And we also know that in order to get your film career started, you must engage yourself either in DVD distribution, uh, video distribution, and or you must have a distributor. Some of the major distributors are Warner Brothers, of course. Minor distributors would be Miramax, New Line. Independent uh, distributors could be Orion, Classic, Strand, and foreign sales are generally handled by R. Corman or M. Curb. This is coming from Hollywood Institute Films uh, 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 Institute, where they teach filmmakers how to make films and how to be successful. The various, very, what I found was very interesting was that the publicity budget need to be anywhere between 2000 and 10000 And that is just so you can list it in the variety in Hollywood Reporter, um, Film Finders, and of course you must um, acquiesce with the film commissioner in order to get your film heard and to get the word out. Um, I was noticing also it was important to have press kits, production press photos and post-production photos for a festival. Um, did each film come with its own press kits, patients? Did you know that? Or how did, how did people, let's say in uh, South Africa, submit to that film festival and actually get their film shown in Los Angeles. What's the process like? To the best of my knowledge, uh, Basi, King Basi had set it up such that they can send it as a uh, video in video form and uh, somewhere, I think, a link, which is still a video when it's received here. And there's a fee for submission. And some brought their themes themselves over here. And the payment is the PayPal. 
So oh, they were able to good. get their films here for the screening. Oh, that's very, very good. And they also talk a little bit about the press kit. I mean, um, were you or does your organization help with the press kit, the post-production press kit that would allow somebody the privilege of being able to, let's say, not only be a part of your film festival, but let's say if they want to go on and do the circuit and do the Hollywood Film Festival and Sundance and so forth? Yeah, I believe so. I believe if they need a little more, because those are some of the things that LAMFA would like to do to help those who are back there create the press kits for them. And if they need more editing for, you know, post-production, it will be available for them. Mm-hmm. So LAMFA is, doing, is helping them to do all that. That's why we need the studio so they could bring their films there and it will be re-edited for the American population. Oh, that's wonderful. Hey, so now I'm really interested. Were you able to catch any films at all, and what did you think about the language? Was it in English? Was it dubbed like French films generally are? Or how did that work for you? No, the um, films that that I was able to see, which was Saturday, there were more trailers. Um, Unfortunately, I wasn't able to see the films on Friday. But Saturday, I was able to see a lot of the film clips, uh, really trailers. And the mm-hmm. trailers that I saw, I mean, like Patience was saying, you know, the the uh, the different um, um, topics that the films was covering. There was a one that really got to me was about a young girl who, who was really lost. Um, she was belligerent when she was young. She wouldn't listen to her parents. Her parents let her get away with stuff and she grew up into a bad life. Also, there was a film that showed domestic violence. Now, that really hit home. I mean, that really, you know, uh, struck a chord in me. I mean, I, I've, I've never suffered it myself, but I've seen others suffer it. And that film, just from the trailer itself, I said, people need to see this film. It, mm. it, was, awesome. it was awesome. And so, yeah, I mean, the films that I saw, the trailers that I was able to see, and that, that the individuals got awards for, uh, and they were all in English. I didn't, I didn't hear any other, other language, but they were, you know, in English. And, of course, you know, they, the, the topics were riveting. They, they were really riveting. So uh, these independent filmmakers got it going on. I'm, I'm, I really give them uh, much, the utmost respect for what they're doing. Wow. You know what? I am so glad you had that opportunity to see that firsthand. And you know what's very interesting is there is an over $4 billion foreign sale industry. I mean, when we think about our films, Rockland, and being able to position them so that they can hit the foreign film circuit, isn't that interesting how people that are not in this country look at our distribution and our wheel, and they look across the water and they say, hey, you know what, maybe we should go over there and have our film made. Now, the interesting thing I think uh, you know, I wanted to bring up so we could have some, some male energy amongst us, I was hoping I could get uh, the Galaxy Chiefs to weigh in on a little bit of this because um, I, I really feel that um, I know that he has a film and a few films that he's interested, along with T25CL, in having put out there. And I think it's just really interesting how we, as 
African Americans don't really understand the power we have globally with our money in terms of how we resonate on screen, how everybody wants a shot at making a film that has us in it. You know, isn't that interesting? Because when we see the trailers, we see the um, the roles uh, uh, about black life. Like right now, there's a real push for black cowboy movies. You know, there's a real push for that. Black uh, history movies are really coming out again. And they're not exploitation. They're very empowering. But many of them are not being done by us. They're being done by others. Andre, are you there? Can you uh, weigh in on this? Yes, I'm right here. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. Oh, good. Male energy. We love it. Everybody, welcome. Andre Ward, our CEO, and uh, he can tell us a little bit more about T25CL's position and how distribution is the name of our game. So go ahead. Okay. First thing I want to elaborate on is uh, United We Stand. Because, you know, we've been coming on the radio for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and several times a week saying that United We Stand is imminent, it's on the way. And we really do mean it. And realistically, United We Stand is finished. It's been finished. But what we're doing right now is taking our professional pride and we are enhancing the film a little bit more than where it was. And to that extent, we are getting some real authentic uh, film from um, uh, Africa, particularly Nigeria, on uh, some of the women's issues and the children's issues. And I have reached out today to uh, our various ambassadors throughout Africa, and they've been reaching back to me, updating me on their, their projects. And they're sending information back through in, in the written form and going to be sending in some pictures and updates on their projects and stuff that they're doing over there as well. And so what we are doing right now is enhancing the film so that it will be better than better than better. And it's definitely taken on a life of its own from where we planned it a couple of years ago when we did the concert. And now also the word is getting out to a few prominent people about United We Stand and people want to do their part to assist us in this film project as well. Um, I don't want to say any names right now because nobody has uh, expressed anything in writing as yet, but verbally we have um, some very high up interest with this thing, and and more people are joining um, the team, and a couple of people who uh, have relationships with the United Nations as well. And so there's things that um, I definitely want to say, but I don't want to say it too prematurely. And uh, but United We Stand is taking on another form of betterment. And when it does uh, hit its final stage, the world is going to say, "Oh, we didn't know that. Oh, we weren't expecting that. We didn't know you were doing it this way, that way." That's right, because it, it's, it's enhancing for the better. And now, once you do a film and you've done it the correct way and you're proud of your work and stuff, and if you've done a great job, certain people will take notice of it, and speaking of distributors. And if, it has, if it's a film of high merit, 
and high marketability, then you'll go to the majors, like you mentioned with the Warner Brothers, the Sonys, MGM, and all those guys. But, you know, we would be satisfied just to get a second-tier uh, level of, of distribution. And even if it went up to, like, six, seven, eight hundred theaters, we're fine with that for United We Stand. Since the 72, that's a whole different ballgame. That would be over 3,000 theaters. But with uh, United We Stand, <clears throat> that will also have international appeal, and um, it will be shown throughout Africa, and we'll be having the support of all of our Millennium Development Ambassadors uh, throughout Africa, and uh, we're communicating with one another, and the word is out and stuff. And so, But we also want to keep in mind, too, that we also want to contribute to their various projects that they are working on as it pertains to women's issues, the children, agriculture, sustainable energy, education, and poverty, because we know that uh, the United Nations had a plan, a Millennium Development Goals, to eliminate a billion people off the poverty roll by 2015. They did not meet those objectives, and so they extended out to 2030, and they've actually uh, renamed their their project to the Strategic Development Goals rather than the Millennium Development Goals. And so we're doing our part to assist in this process to shed light on poverty because the billions of people that are suffering on this planet, and we look at uh, a few presidential candidates out here and a few other people who flaunt their wealth, but what about the people that are suffering? And so that's what we're doing here at T25CL. We're speaking out for the people who don't have a voice in certain things, in political elections and and, uh, the due process of the way how things operate. And so this is one film that's going to bring light to their issues and we at T25CL and our global initiative are, are out here trying to do our best to help end global poverty or at least shed light on it and so that people will take notice and so these presidential candidates will at least make this an agenda instead of some of all this other garbage that they uh, uh, want to talk about with their presidential campaigns. Global poverty, let's end it. And we're doing our part to make some noise about it. Well, you know, um, I really appreciate everything you say, and we really stand behind the premiere and the uh, the the promotion of United We Stand and what due diligence they can do in terms of the global market. Because we're looking at our inner city patients, we're looking at you know, Los Angeles, we're looking at Oakland, and we're seeing the San Francisco, that they are becoming a global stomping ground. And we cannot deny this. Now, let me tell you, what he was talking, Andre was speaking about, when he was talking about, for our listening audience, of foreign and window film revenues. Uh, The festivals um, and awards that really cut great deals happen to be in Toronto, Telluride, Tokyo, Tribeca, Sundance, and Cannes. Now, the great thing about the African, given the name, it's Nollywood Film Festival. Yeah, Los Angeles Nollywood Film Festival. Yes, the great thing about that is that they give homage and they give awards 
to the film because, you see, one short film has won an award. Once it becomes an award-winning film, it changes the game for not only the film and its life, but its ability to go and compete in other film festivals. Yeah. So there's a life for a film that could just be going through Tokyo, Telluride, uh, um, Tribeca, Sundance, and winning acclamations and winning awards all the way through. After that, there is another three to six year period in which a, a film uh, can uh, be in a buyer's market or where it could run through Europe, Asia, through that market. And then, of course, there are, let me see here, there are the distributions, which are theatrical, pay-per-view, video DVD, pay cable, basic cable, uh, made-for-home movie, and then regular television broadcasting and syndication. So there's so much opportunity when it comes to making a film and telling your story, and it's just uh, how far can it go? So we're very excited to um, be able to have United We Stand and watch it to grow. So, Andre, um, in your quest for um, polishing and embellishing your film and getting it prepared, would you consider it to be a documentary or would you consider it to be a docudrama? How are you building it? Well, this one is uniquely different because the lead into this whole thing is the concert. And what we did was create a story around the concert with all of our great artists, with Charles Small and Rosalind Jordan Mills and and, um, and and all the rest, Cleveland Jones, Five Tempting Men, uh, Myron Edwins, and the Bella Fette uh, dance troupe from Senegal and West Africa, and Brenda Lee Ager, and they did such a super fantastic job of what they did on that stage. And seeing it live gives it more credence than what you'll see on the, the screen. And so now what we're doing is we're creating the story around the concert and the story is still the same. We were, we were asked to do this uh, project and we were asked to do this by people who have relationships with the UN and the people who are spiritually enlightened, who want to try to help in poverty. They asked us to do a show and we did, but we took it to the next level and now we've made a motion picture project about it. And so if you really want to look at it, if you want to call it a documentary, that's fine. Uh, some may call it a documentary musical. But we're bringing in both flavors into this thing. And so we're going to mix the music up with a real deal global issue. And in particular in Africa and the things that are happening there in, in, in Western Africa with the how and, and under the conditions that people are living, babies being delivered by flashlight, uh, the water is not uh, sanitized, and the sickness that's being caught that, that's happening, and, and children are having classes outside in certain regions there in, in Malawi. 
and our Millennium Development Goal ambassadors. I mean, these are young brothers and sisters, and they're doing their best to uh, help by building a school and doing agriculture projects. And uh, I was just hearing from uh, my brother Raymond there in Western Africa today. And um, I believe he is in uh, either Liberia, Senegal, French-speaking nation, and just telling me about the things what they are doing over there. Uh, I heard from my brother Lovan today from um, Ghana, updating me on their projects and sending me information and links to their website and their Facebook page and just updating me on the things that uh, they're doing. And I'll be hearing from more than ambassadors uh, once they see my messages because uh, in Africa, patients know that, you know, you don't get power 24 hours a day like we do. They yeah. get it for a little while and then it goes away. And so when you do get power, you try to take an advantage of it by way of Skype and communicate with people throughout the world. And so when I see them pop up, I send them messages, and even the ones that weren't on green today, I send them all messages. And next thing you know, they may get powerful while, and they will respond back. So well, uh, you know, we'll let the world put the label on it, but what we want to do is help out, and we're standing behind what we, what our global mission is, is to end poverty and bring peace and prosperity to the planet. Well, I, I, I commend you because that is a, a tedious, arduous uh, job, and you're only one person with an army of many, and we just appreciate your vision. And uh, Teaching by Seattle is such an honor and a privilege to have, um, to be able to have a voice on your network, and I appreciate that. I do want to ask patience, though. Patience, uh, being yes. that you are directly connected with your homeland, um, you know, what bothers me is what's happening on the uh, east, southeastern border where China has seen parts of Africa and that southeastern coast that area there as their new homeland. And I read many, many articles about, I mean, I'm kind of watching it, you know. And I read a lot of articles about how uh, they came over and they did some politicking just enough to say, well, we're going to come over, we want to build these resorts, we want to do this, we want to do that, we want to hire everybody, we're just going to change the condition. You know, it's going to end poverty because everybody's going to be working and we're going to modernize some of the cities over here and we're going to bring in our people for um, vacation. So we're going to build timeshares and apartments and this and that and that. And I've understood that over the six months or so, once they started building and it really got into full uh, mode, but they didn't hire anybody. And if they hired anybody that was African, it was at a very minimal cost. And uh, they brought a lot of Chinese in, a lot of engineers in, and all the big money was kept within their own um, diaspora, and therefore creating even a further level of poverty. So can you speak on that, patients, and did you see any films uh, that are publicizing that, because that's kind of like a private war, this kind of economic war that's kind of uh, starting up. Could you tell me about okay. that? 
Yes, I, I can speak some. I, I'm not claiming to know much because I've been here, you know, quite a few years. But um, generally, uh, when Africans contract, like, the roads and bridges and stuff like that, they're looking for the best bidder. And the Chinese, just like we know here, they can beat you out of anything. And they want infrastructure. So the Chinese come in with their machinery and everything and make things look very appealing. Yes, especially, let me speak for uh, Cameroon. When they first came in, everybody opened their arms and they went right into our villages and started selling by the roadside like the local villagers. But the people woke up later on and they're not so welcome. But the unfortunate thing is this. Let me put African-Americans on the spot for one minute. There have been so many opportunities for African-Americans to come back to Africa. They're given lands. They're given opportunities to start businesses. They haven't taken that. I am speaking for myself. I went and met a Cong no, a senator, African-American senator. And I brought up the same Chinese topic you're talking about to him. I said, you guys are sitting here. The Chinese are buying up everything. They're doing this. They're taking all the contracts. What are we going to do or what are you going to do? He said, there's nothing we can do. If they're buying it, they're buying it. So if we don't take action, if we don't tell our stories, if we don't say this has to end, nobody else is going to do it. So... If the African-American that is a relative of the Africans is not doing it, the people who are willing to beat the lowest will get the contract. But lately, I know that the Africans are waking up to the deceit. And there's only so much they can do because they need the infrastructure. They need the machineries. So my, I'm throwing it back at everybody on the panel. What are you going to do? Hmm. Well, there you have it. <laughs> right here in the penthouse. Straight talk with the hired fresh. Now, did you hear that, folks? You've heard that there's land being offered. There's opportunities to start a business. Patience is speaking out to the African-American community and asking them to get involved because you're absolutely right, and we're not trying to uh, be a zealot and... Uh, be judgmental and put down those who are in construction from China who did have a, develop, a developing, um, uh, uh, were able to gain those contacts and gain the confidence of the people. But the, ab the aftermath is similar for us as well. Because what has happened is, is in our inner cities as they come in and buy cash in our neighborhoods, it creates a new level of poverty. This poverty is no longer shared by those who have nothing, but those who actually are working and have um, working on jobs every day are unable to maintain rent and unable to compete with a cash opportunity on purchasing property. So we've got to change some of our laws locally to make this uh, where it's not a problem for us in the future. And, uh, Patience, you really spoke out about that, and I hope 
that my brothers and sisters listening uh, will wake up. Because if you don't wake up, you're going to be put out. That's just the way it is. I want to go back can, to can I, can I answer that? Can, can, I, can, I, can I talk to Sister Patience here for a second? Oh, now, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, there are a lot of black professionals here in this country, whether they are accountants, lawyers, contractors, developers, architects, and engineers. And, of course, we would love to have contracts and have these type of economic relationships with Africa, and in particular West Africa, because, and, and this is just my political statement, because I do feel that West Africa does owe us reparations as well as, as much as the United States government owes us reparations. But the thing of it is, these, this, this dialogue and communication has to be opened up directly between the powers that be there in West Africa with those of us over here. And, of course, we can put the team together to do the work, but we have to do it in a much different way because when the Chinese come in, they come in with political power, they come in with billions and billions and billions of dollars, and but we here in this country who are uh, descendants of slaves who were once uh, kidnapped and bartered and stole from our homeland, it's time for that dialogue to be opened up and so that we can get a fair share of this. But it's going to have to come by way of direct communication with us as business professionals here and directly with the powers that be there in West Africa because we don't know who each other is. And I guarantee you, if we start opening up this level of communication and, and, and things can be done, and you will see an exodus of black folks from here going over to Africa and doing things and, and making money and help, helping rebuild West Africa. And I think that this relationship should be by those in West Africa, the powers to be, and those of us here who are descendants of slaves who got caught up in that diaspora between West Africa here in the United States, and we don't have to relive everything, but we here who don't know where we are from in West Africa, we don't know our name, we don't know our we don't know our culture and all of that because of this, and so it's time now. To, to to bring it back home. And I think that West Africa should welcome us back over there and let's try to bridge these relationships with West Africa. Well, Can I say that... something? Can I piggyback on that? Oh, yes. yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. I, I'm speaking from uh, the horse's mouth. Uh, two years ago, I was in Africa, in Cameroon specifically, with a lady called uh, Lisa, Dr. Lisa Aubrey. When someone has done their DNA and realized that they're from some African country, she would book your flight and take you there. Specifically, she takes people to Cameroon. I was Mm -hmm. in Cameroon when she brought a group of African-Americans, and they had dinner at my parents' home. But before they left, 
they were given prime land. This is like the third or fourth time she's been taking people every year. They were given prime land in, uh, in one of the best tourist areas in Cameroon. Till this day, nobody has done anything with that land. They even gave them land certificates because there are times when you can get a land and next time you come, somebody else uh, has the land because there were no papers done. So the thing is this. The Africans are opening up, waiting for their brothers and sisters to come. Even those who come, they come as tourists. And once they get back here, they seem to forget that they went there to reconnect. Mm-hmm. Secondly, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Secondly, about three years ago, I and another lady from Senegal, we did a, a, a conference, some kind of a dialogue here. We invited African-Americans and Africans so we can do some kind of a reconciliation, like what and healing, like what Andre is saying. Politicians came and everybody stood up and all they were giving us, oh, we need more schools. They were just talking points. We were struggling to let them know we recognize the rift that is between us. We want to try to bridge that. And let's start this dialogue to start coming together, to look at what's what the common goal, to see what can we benefit by us all coming together. So yeah. I think we need to start by doing that. We've been talking, we need to put the structure in place, and we need to start doing it. Everybody's not going to do it at once. We need to put it on the calendar, on this, this day, this is what we're going to do. And we have the people who will start coming, when we build a relationship between you and I, that's not going to change when we go to Africa. So we need to build that here. So when we go to Africa, we go as one voice. And we go now to speak to the powers that be there, and they will recognize the voice that's coming from one place, and they're going to act on it. They're waiting for the African-Americans to return. But they come there and just visit and take, you know, little artifacts and stuff like that and come decorate homes, and that's all they do. So it's okay, back. Well, I'm sending me, it back on the floor. Okay, let me just uh, let me say this, and, I, and the reason why I wanted to say this is because um, as a person who has traveled out of the country, patients, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, I've met a lot of people from all over the world. And when you come here, you know, there's a certain preparation you need to do to get out of where you are from. Uh, There's a certain preparation that we need to do as African Americans in order to elevate ourselves, in order to uh, uh, ready ourselves, in order to, you know, you got to pay everything you got to pay here first. You know, I remember when I went out of the country, I had to pay my rent you know, five months in advance. I had to pay my car note. I had to store my car note. I had to do all these things so I could go and stay six months abroad. It is not an easy thing to do. And and once you get to that level, I mean, the monkey is on your back, even though you're 
in Africa and someone's given you something, your monkey travels with you and is telling you, hey, you got to get back because in America, as you know, because you live here, it is a quite an undertaking to maintain um, your daily needs and to be able to plan in advance and then be able to plan um, over that. But the bottom line is, and Andrea, I know you will agree with this, the bottom line is this is not one of us that haven't thought about it. There's not one of us who wouldn't like to make the Mecca. It's not one of us who wouldn't like to stay indefinitely. But unfortunately, um, you know, the game is such that you cannot disconnect and reconnect and then think you can come back and keep your place in line. Uh, now, is Rosalind there? Rosalind, are you there? Yes, I'm here. I'm sorry. Oh, oh that's okay. So, so Rosalind, um, now, specifically, uh, we're talking about the power and the inertia it takes for you to make the decision to go to Africa. Have you thought about going to Africa? Have you thought about staying when you go? Are you going to vacation? Or are you going to try to go stay? What are your thoughts on that? I would love to go to Africa. I, matter of fact, I, was, I did plan a trip. Uh, I had all my shots. I, I got my passport and everything. But something came up um, that I was supposed to go, and it was due to a death in my family, and I was not able to go. <clears throat> but my plans are still there. I would love to go because everyone says, uh, especially African-Americans, you, once you step foot on the ground, it feels like you've come home. I want to experience that. You know, I really would love to experience that. Um, to stay, I don't. I don't think I would, but you know, I maybe because we're so Americanized um, that we're here. But um, I would love to go and spend some time there to really understand. Like Patience was saying, you know, there's been so many times that I've heard that. Excuse me. That African Americans here in America and. The, Africans there in Africa, there's there's this there's this gap or this gorge in between that patients are saying we need to come together, and it's true, we do need to come together and build um, in Africa, build, even build here. We need to build those relationships. Um, but like you were saying, you know, I I would love to go there and visit and spend some time and really um, get to the roots of who we are, where we come from. I mean, my, my parents, uh, even though my, my, my grandparents were pure Indian, um, so my father was an Indian. But my mother, she was, you know, she's African-American, but still we have that, those roots that we, would, we need to find out where we come from. I would love to know what our family's name was when we were in Africa. I would love to know the, the connections that we had. And a lot of, all of us should really want to know that. We should know our history. We need to know our history. And unfortunately, so, we have not been taught. So would you, would you, if you were given land, uh, let's say, in Africa, how would you manage that? Would you be able to, I mean, really, 
expectations if somebody were to give me some land in Maine uh, uh, or in Canada? It would take. It would be. Uh, it would be very difficult for me to manage both places uh, because of, I guess, my vision. There's no other way to look at it, but the vision that we have has been so altered, and we have to be honest about this. Would you not but agree? Sister Barbara, Sister Barbara, let yes. me ask you, how are the Chinese doing it? When they're getting these humongous contracts, how are they going over there and managing land in China and land in Africa and the existence in Africa when oh, they're their given situation, their, their situation is totally different. The, the Chinese uh, through the American uh, through our U.S. government has empowered them a long time ago. They're working off of 20 years worth of straight up, ever since Walmart was introduced to you and to me as a place for us to go and shop with our hard-earned money. The moment that door opened was the moment that China was released to make their money. So they have gotten a 20-year jump on making money from us, the lower end of the totem pole, because we're the ones that go in. I don't go, but I know everybody I know goes to Walmart and patronizes it. And that's straight-up Chinese merchandise coming straight from China. That's why it's cheaper from the lettuce to the chicken to everything else you get in there is straight from China. So when you have 20 years' worth of financial empowerment, shame on you if you can't change your vision. Well, see, here's what I'm going. Based on what Sister Patience was saying is that they want us there. They have these contracts. How come we can't get some of the contracts so that we can make the money so we're not worried about paying rent and insurance and car payments? That's just a simple formality. And, you know, what we need to be looking at is dual citizenship, citizenship there and citizenship here, so that we can go to both places when deemed necessary. But, see, what I'm talking about is not just going over there to be a, a tourist. And if I heard Sister Patience correctly, uh, you're going over there for economic development because Africa has more money than anybody else on the planet. Thank you. Africa is rich with money. They're rich with minerals. It is the most richest place on planet Earth. And, 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 And all the Christians that go to church on the weekend. You're reading from a Bible, and that Bible is nothing but East African history. And so, therefore, you've got the richness of the planet right there. So we're not talking about going over there begging and, and somebody to to give us something out of, on a charity basis. What we're talking about, if the Chinese can get a billion-dollar contract to build something, then we can get a billion-dollar contract to build something as well. And Amen. let's help our people. Because Trump is saying, let's make America white again. And so why not let us come do the same thing? Let's make Africa black again. And let's free the, the, the 40 million black folks here in America, free up the mind and get all this nonsense that's buried in their brains and what they've been messed up with for the past 400 years. And let's let's learn something about where we came from. That's what everybody else does. 
the Europeans in this country, they go to vacation in Europe, wherever they came from in Europe every year. The Chinese do it. The Japanese do it. And so how come we can't do the same thing? Let's reclaim our own. But we have to do it, and we can't do it massively. Of course we can't. We won't live that long. But what we are doing with all the African connections that we have, it, when the doors are opened up, of course we are poor people. And what we're talking about now is economic development and empowerment. We're not talking about, you know, minimum wage stuff here. We're talking about major contracts to do major things over there since we can get them there because nobody here is offering us a dead gum thing. And the politicians are telling you, well, we're going to take this back to 1950, 1940. If not, we want to take it back to 1840 and 1850. So they tell me what they want to do with you. They tell me what you're thinking about you here. And so Africa, we want to hear what you got to say about us. And, yes, we will do it. Hell, I've been to Africa. I went twice in one month, went over there for two weeks, came back, changed clothes, went right back again. Wasn't tripping on car payments and rent, nothing. Just did it made it happen. It's another thing. Well, I must say this. I, I commend you, and I know that you were a mogul when you were making your trips. You know, a lot of people don't know, for my listening audience out there, for those that you don't know, you know, Andre Ward is, is a, uh, has been a boxing promoter and has promoted fights and has done a promotion abroad, which is phenomenal. Now, for me as an individual, I am with you 100%. But do understand that I have done it. I have moved. I have lived abroad twice in my life. I've lived in Jamaica, and I've lived in Canada. And I was in Canada almost two years, and Jamaica several months. And it is more than a notion to move, pack up, and live. Like Patience has packed up, met her vision, and put it to action. And here she is, you know, in the United States. So it's more than a notion to uh, do this sort of move and, and, and change everything. And then, speaking back with the Chinese, uh, I've had several international students that I host, you know, and it's very interesting how you can, patients, you know, mm-hmm. you can open your home for educational purposes and host students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I know. I, I put down all the students that I wanted to host with every everybody. I think I put down everybody, but uh, I didn't want to host anybody from uh, maybe uh, Croatia or Bosnia. I think that's the only place I didn't check, right? Mm-hmm. But the only ones who come with money are the Chinese students, the Japanese students, and French and the Germans. The rest of the students are not given the visa where they come with money, which is a very interesting thing. Now, when I hosted these international students from China, the first thing I found out is before I could get them home, I had to pull over so that they could look at the blue sky. So remember when I talked about a little bit about the fact that, you know, there was this big uh, push for China and empowerment financially for the whole country, which is, uh, they got more people in China than the rest of the world has all together. But guess what they don't have? What they don't have is breathing air. They cannot breathe their air, and guess what? They cannot drink their water. 
So you're going to see a mass exodus. So then helping, you know, people helping people, whatever the phrase is, we're going to come over here and help you build your buildings. They're building those buildings to move in them. They're not, those, those, these Chinese students that come stay in my home and, 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 and go 9 through 12 and graduate, they plan to go to UC Berkeley. They plan to go to Stanford. When they get through, they send in for their family. This is no mistake. They are relocating. China is on the move. And that's what people have to recognize. When they see that the rent is triple, who, who you think is going to be able to pay that? So it's more than just economics. We're talking about which government is being empowered to control which government, which one is going out of power and which one is coming into power. Now, did you have a comment on that, Andre? Well, we we, we know about what's happened at the government level. But what we have to do, we know that, America has the power. We know that China has the power. We know that China now has the number one reserve currency in the world. We know that Colonel Gaddafi was killed because he wanted to unite Africa and bring it all under one currency called the African dinar. And then they knew it and, and for his currency to be backed by the richness of Africa. And so therefore he had to go because it would deplete the value of every other currency on planet Earth. And so this is the power that Africa has, but their power is being suppressed by all these external forces. Of course, the Chinese would love to come in there and take over, take control, just like the Dutch has done in South Africa, and just so how the the British has, has done in colonizing and bringing in their false religions and stuff into Western Africa. And, and suppressing the power that that is there in that continent. So, yes, we are aware of the external powers that's being brought in there. But I'm, I'm asking for black men to stand up. I'm not saying for the government to stand up. We have to do it on our own. We got to do it in absence of support from the government. And it's just time now for black men to stand up and stop hiding behind telephone poles and hiding behind skirts and all this sort of stuff. It's time for you brothers to stand up, come on up, be a black man. On this phone right now, I'm sitting on here with beautiful sisters on this phone right now. Where is the men? I'm challenging a black man to call in on this phone right now and speak to black people here in this country. Am I the only one to do it? And, and and so yeah, I could build a company off off off, off the sisters. The sisters will stand up. Women have always heard the the word of G two five CL and the integrity of where we're going. All over the world, they hear it and they see it. But what about the black man? Come on, brothers, it's time for you to pull your pants up, get your stuff together, and and because that's all black women are looking for is for brothers to stand up and be leaders, take care of your family, your children, your wives, your girlfriends, whatever the situation may be, and stand up and be the black man that you are. Quit ducking and, and hiding. And so stand up, man. And, and we got to take this thing on ourselves, and we ain't worried about nobody's government. we just got to go ahead on and do what we got to do to take care of our people. And we start out as a small, we'll plant that seed and just let that tree grow up and show an example to these children out here. Let the children see what we're doing. 
then that way they'll stop all this gang stuff and stuff that they got down in L.A. It will stop people from going out here selling dope. It will stop men from putting on dresses and high heel shoes and wigs. No. It's kind of nonsense. Come on. It, it, yes. it is time for us to stand oh. up and, and, and take back the righteousness of what you were yes. given within your creation here on the planet. And, and so, brothers, hear my word. I want to hear brothers call in here on these shows. Come on, man. I'm the only brother that's calling in here. Do I got Wait, to stand you know up? Do I got but to take wait. all the women and lead the women out here and build this thing up? Because, hell, I'll go to Africa with a 747, me and a whole plane full of women if I have to, if these brothers stop, don't stop scratching and itching and running around like scared to death Negroes, stand up, black man, and, and prove the need to be a liar. So, oh, you know what? I love what you said, Andre, and I just want to say, Rosalind, are they hiding behind the skirt and behind the phone pole? Is that what yeah. <laughs> Come on. It's, and it's so sad. Men need to stand up. I could not have concurred, and I definitely could not have said it any better. Chief, you are, you are right on the money. Because right that on is the one money. Thing that we, that's one thing we need our men to stand up. Men are not standing up. What is wrong with our brothers? Where are their mindsets today? So many are incarcerated or so many are walking around the street with their pants down below their ankles and kind of nonsense. And, you know, are they chasing after every skirt instead of trying to build a community, instead of trying to build a family? What's going on? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? Patience, we, 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 you know, every culture has, its nuances and has its problems. And we here in the United States, since you've been here, you see how we suffer, what the suffrage that has gone on, even in our, even in our resurrection, you still can see the markings and the effect of our suffrage. And this is what, bringing it back to our topic, this is what makes film so important. Because film shows us what we can have, shows us where we've come from, shows us the possibilities, and really tells our stories. And this is why it's important to support African films and, and, and international films. And also to be able to be a part of that because we are a part of each other. We are all connected and the more that we patronize and allow our monies to intermingle, the more we will see that we are connected. And I think that's what we have to do. Just like she said, I tell you, Patience, we know that yes. you also have a cooking show. And yes. we know that you do many, many things like the rest of us. We all have nine jobs, man. We have nine <laughs> jobs. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so tell us, give us a little, uh, before we close our show, give us a little dial tone on what we can expect to land for the next event and what can we expect with your cooking show and all that you have going on. Give us a little rundown quickly. Well, I would say uh, stay tuned for our next year's it's going to be in August again. We don't have the date yet. And uh, we have some people who were very impressed this year who are not typically uh, Africans, but they saw our effort and they want to join and make this thing happen. So 
again, we shouldn't wait for other people to come and do it for us. So I'm calling on African-Americans to go on www.lanfa.com and be a member and see how you can participate in the committee for the next LANFA event. Because if we don't tell our stories, as we keep saying, they're going to tell it. If we don't handle what we have created, somebody else is going to take over, just like what uh, the China incident in Africa. If the African-Americans are waiting for somebody else to do it, China is stepping in. Who knows? Maybe Middle East, maybe some other person is going to step in. If we keep waiting for someone else, someone else is going to do it. So my cooking show wants to remind everybody that we have to eat from the land. We want to do things the way our parents used, our great-grandfathers used to do. We want to be able to heal our bodies from the food. We want to make sure that people recognize the, the role food plays in our families, in our communities. Food brings unity, breaks down barriers, creates love, shows that we belong. So I'm going to play all that in the cooking show. So stay tuned, www.patientsawazi.com will give you exactly what you need to move forward with this culture and food. That's beautiful. Well, we thank you, Patience. You're always there for us, and we thank you for this wonderful past weekend and all that you've done. Uh, Rosalind, give us a little bit of a recap on your experience and how you uh, were impressed and what you will do. How did that film festival change you? Uh, What will you add to your repertoire now that you've been introduced to that? And what can we expect on Roslyn's Corner tomorrow at 7.30? Well, of course, tomorrow on uh, Roslyn's Corner, we're going to do a part two of um, renal disease. We have uh, Alex Singh, who is a director of uh, renal centers of end-stage renal disease, and there's so many people who suffer, especially African-Americans when we talk about diabetes and the the precautionary measures that can be taken. And I'm going to have a young lady who's going to come on who's uh, going through the same thing but with her husband. And she's going to share about the experiences that she's going through with that. Uh, So it's going to be a good show, dealing with health and wellness, you might want to say. Um, but, oh, okay. Yeah, but to, to, to talk about <clears throat> my experience with the Glanfa, I mean, I am so uh, happy that I was able to attend. Uh, really, what has impacted me the most is to see the work that these individuals, these independent film um, uh, makers, producers, artists, uh, you know, writers uh, have the work that has been put into their film and how we at T25CL can help them to take it to the next level. That's, that's my vision. That's our vision. That's T25CL's vision to see independent film makers get to the next level. And so um, with my connection with the um, producers and the writers that I um, uh, was able to meet, to connect with, um, they're excited and we're looking to get them on for distribution. Okay, so it's, it's 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 an ongoing thing. It's it continually it's a continued process. Every 
every time we have these type of functions, every time we meet new people, people are excited. Like uh, Andrew was saying, you know, people are excited about teaching five scale. They see the vision, they see what's taking place, and it's just going to get better. Absolutely. Well, we thank you for that. We're going to be tuning in tomorrow, everybody. You've been listening to Galaxy Talk Radio. And you're now going to hear from Andre Ward, who is our CEO. Uh, it is under the umbrella of www.225cl, where you can download music and you can see film, you can see Rosalind. As she interviews some of the dignitaries, dignitaries forgive me, of the, the past weekend's events, I'm dying to see it uploaded so I can see all the fabulous fashions and the interesting people. So we ask you to do that. And we're going to let Andre close. Go ahead, Andre. Well, we just want everybody to stay tuned to T25CL and, and go to our website and look at the changes and things that we've done there and pay attention to our global mission. And, you know, everything I've said tonight, I mean it. And I definitely want the brothers to start standing up and, and doing their job to help make this change and uh, not just artificially changing your names and putting on dashikis and stuff. It is time to step up and do something to to um, make a difference in this world. And But we've got to start right here. And then once we um, show the world what we're doing, and we're doing something uh, effectively, and at the United We Stand has to be the lead into that, so be it. But the only way that Africa is going to start respecting us is if we start standing up right now and showing the world of our accomplishments. And our accomplishments is going to be united we stand. And so we want the people to stand behind us, stay in tune with us, come on these shows, talk about it, join the team, register the website, download some music, support the efforts of T25CL, and let this be the, the company and let this be the network that's going to give you information. Look at all the talk shows that we have. Everybody's talking on, on different subject matters and different levels of professionalism. And so we're here for the people, but we need the people to support us in the things that we're doing. And so just tune in. Tune in tomorrow night, Thursday night, Friday night, and then come right back in on Monday and Tuesday. And so you never know where you're going, what you're going to hear on these shows. These shows that take a life for them. So we'll see you tomorrow night. All right. Well, I can't wait to patronize Patience, Azawi's cooking show, and try some of her wonderful recipes from Africa. I'm going to be tuning in tomorrow night to Rosalind's Corner, and uh, there she's going to have a little bit of a of a part two. Uh, you know, you can always go to our website and download shows that have been in the past of any one of our radio hosts. We want to say that we're so privileged uh, and honored to have our guest tonight, especially uh, Roslyn uh, and uh, Andre Ward, because we know they're busy and we know that they're making this dream come true of United We Stand. So we thank you for that. We thank you, Patience. Uh, Rodney, we hope you feel better. Pastor Bob, feel better also. Hey, Catch us next week on um, Straight Talk from the Hired Brush. We thank you again, and to all, a good night.
Peace. Good night. Good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.